Good morning. You're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, where we talk about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity, and sometimes we just chat. If you are tuning in, you can find us in New Haven County area at 103.5 FM on your radio dial, or you can stream us live. So if you're in a car, but you're getting ready to get out and go to work, you can find us on newhavenindependent.org and you click the little WNHH link in the upper left corner where you can stream us live on your computer, or you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Facebook. So we're streaming live on two Facebook pages and my Instagram as well. So you're tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. And today I am reminded that is actually my last live show for 2017. Wow, this year went by super fast. I didn't realize that it was actually our last live show for the year. So um, I am so glad that I actually chose the topic that I did today because we are going to get you straight for 2018 in terms of your diet, your weight, and your health. So today we are talking about food. Why are you eating that? And I thought that would be a really good topic to have today because sometimes I hate social media. I really do. Because there are so many different opinions out there. And many of them are really based on false information, people not understanding science and physiology. And simply because something goes viral does not mean that it is true. (laughs) So I have a pet peeve with social media when it comes to these things, particularly when it comes to nutrition and diet. It really, as a health and fitness person, professional, expert, whatever title, spending 20 years Uh, focused on how to help people get healthier, how to help people lose weight and create sustainable diet plans that they can lose it and keep it off and get healthier and get their, you know, um, A1C levels down or their blood pressure down. After you spend so much time doing research and making and creating plans And then you see people distributing false information or half information. It actually gets a little irritating. Okay, it gets a lot irritating. I'll be honest. It gets very irritating. (laughs) So today we are going to specifically talk about diet and exercise. Those two things that seems that... So many people want, but it escapes everyone, right? It escapes people who are still struggling a little bit. So I want to, um, I want to talk a little bit about the actual science behind how you lose weight. I'm going to have, going to start the show off with a disclaimer. I am not a medical professional. I'm not a doctor. So as with any diet and exercise program, please check with your healthcare professional before you change your diet or exercise program. Particularly, and I'm going to add this caveat, particularly if you have a diagnosed disease or illness that you are on medication for, such as high blood pressure, heart disease, or diabetes. 
you want to certainly check with your doctor, medical professional. And I'm going to actually put an asterisk under diabetes. If you are diabetic, um, meaning that you're taking pills or you're actually on insulin, anytime, whether you follow advice from this show or anything that you read, anytime that you go on a program where you're changing the way that you're eating or the way that you're moving, you must work very closely with your doctor because diabetes is a lifestyle-dependent and a food-dependent illness. You can make significant changes by in your uh, A1C levels and in your blood sugar by just changing the things that you're eating and changing how often you're moving. So if you are not in contact with your doctor as you make these changes, your insulin requirement can be off. So, for example, say you start a plan and you start an exercise plan and you are taking uh, insulin shots. You may, a month down the road, being consistent, need half of what you have been initially prescribed, but you're now overtaking insulin because you have not checked in with your doctor. So if you have diabetes in particular, please check in with your doctor often if you plan on changing your eating and diet information. So today we also have, I'm going to talk a little bit. We are going to accept some phone calls. So if you want to call in and you want to ask a question. And again, I'm going to um, repeat that today is about diet and exercise. So have your questions around those two things. Do not ask me medical questions because I will refer you to your healthcare professional. Um, and if you want to call in, the call in number here is 203-872-7356 or 203-684-8907. If you are on Facebook or Instagram, you can actually scroll down on, in my profile and you can see the call in numbers if you forget them or didn't write them down. So let's talk weight loss, right? So we're getting ready to come to the new year. And statistically, even though now people say, oh, I don't make weight loss goals, statistically about 80% of people who make New Year's resolutions actually make weight loss goals. Hmm. <laughs> However, also statistically, by the end of January, about 80% of those people who made those weight loss goals are no longer doing the things that they need to do in order to achieve them. <laughs> so does New Year's resolutions work? Hmm. If you are the 20%, then maybe. <laughs> so um, really having a lifestyle approach of changing things that you are going to maintain a long time. But we have so many things out there when it comes to weight loss. Let's first talk specifically about how our body actually loses weight. So I think that it helps people when you come across new information to understand exactly how your body, the physiology of it, how your body loses weight. What's interesting to me is as I come across a lot of information and I am going to um, um, do some myth busting today. I'm going to point out some stuff that claims it works, but we know physiologically it's impossible. It doesn't really work. So when we talk about weight loss, I'm going to differentiate between weight loss and fat loss, right? Weight loss is any time the scale goes down. Fat loss 
is when you decrease the fat tissue in your body, there is a difference. A diet program can cause you weight loss without causing you fat loss. If it just dehydrates you and your scale goes down five pounds, you may not have lost any fat. And when people say I want to lose weight, it really is that they want to lose fat. Most people don't just want to lose weight. They want to lose excess fat. So how does fat actually leave the body? I think this is really kind of like the crux of understanding the physiology. Because we have a lot of things that tell you you can wrap if you wear this sweatsuit, right? You know, you see the people and maybe you're one of those people that's in the gym running and jogging and you have on like a full sweatsuit that's causing you to sweat underneath your clothes or you see people running down the street. I think people, I think somebody saw the Rocky movie and then just decided that like everybody should like wear the sweatsuit in order to lose weight. So a study at the University of South Wales in Australia they actually trace 10 kilograms of body weight and see how people actually lose weight. They traced how the fat cells disperse, right? So 10 kilograms is about 22 pounds. We're in America and we, I guess, are like the only Western nation that actually use pounds and not kilograms. <laughs> um, so it's about 22 pounds. And so they looked at how does it leave the body, like a lot of us, it's a big assumption that we lose weight via sweat, right? So we wear sweatsuits and the little sweat belt and all of these different things in order to try to get the body to sweat. Or people will take cleansing teas, right? And which are really just laxatives. And they're like, oh, the scale uh, went down for five pounds because I was taking this tea, Right. And the five pounds is really, so when people say you're full of crap, yeah, pr technically you were. <laughs> so that's another way people say, again, this is the difference between losing weight and losing fat. If you take a cleansing tea and your bowel movements start flowing regularly, the scale will go down, particularly if you did not have regular bowel movements before that. You have lost weight. It was in the form of, uh, of waste material, but you have technically, you have lost weight. So back to our research. And if you've listened to me or follow me anytime, I'm always like, okay, what does the research say? So back to our research. So it turns out that when they follow the fat cells to figure out where the body, how the body actually disperses them, 84% of fat actually turns into carbon dioxide and you breathe it out. So when you are losing fat, you are literally breathing out your fat, right? The remaining 16% comes between, uh, come, comes out in water and that water can be dispersed via tears, sweat, urine, or feces, right? So it is carbon dioxide. The reason this is, is the human fat cell is a triglyceride and it has three atoms. So we're going to go go a little sciencey, but not too much sciencey, right? So your triglyceride, which is a fat cell, has three atoms. It has a carbon atom, a hydrogen atom, and an oxygen atom. And burning fat, shedding fat, losing weight, making yourself into a fat burning machine, whatever terminology you want to use, <laughs> is actually the breakdown of those three triglycerides carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. 
All right. Now you know the science. That means you probably know more than 90% of other people. So anytime you are presented with a new opportunity to wrap yourself with something, rub something on you, do something that the question that you have to ask yourself is, will this external thing go deep enough into my body that will cause the triglyceride fat cell to break down? Will sweating, which is only actually about 2% of how you lose fat, cause me to lose the fat that I want in a safe and effective manner? So I'm going to let you answer that question for yourself and I will, you probably can assume my opinion. (laughs) And I think, you know, when I read this study, what I started to think is I love how the body works as such a, a, a perfect machine. Right. It's we really are. So we are not components. We are actually just one big hole. And it's even even better than a machine to me because our fat has to leave our body via our breath. And so the body works together so that when you work out, you breathe harder. (laughs) So I'm like, that's so perfect. Like. Our body is so perfect. So that's my little, I, I love, I love the human body. It just, I just think it's like, like, that's just so, so fascinating, right? So um, that's the physiology of how fat actually leaves the body. So Mythbuster one, you do not sweat your fat away. You do not urinate it or, or defecate it away. If optimal fat loss, you want to breathe harder. And try not to hyperventilate, right? So that doesn't mean you should sit down and you should like, (laughs) I mean, theoretically, it will cause you to lose more weight, but you will hyperventilate and that's not safe. All right. So now you know how fat leaves the body. So now let's talk about diet. Like the big question, I know I don't have a lot of time. So I want to dive into diet and what is the right diet to follow? (gasps) Oh my gosh. This is the big question, right? We got all kinds of things out there. We got... The Atkins diet, low, a high protein diet, low carb diet. We have the zone diet, which is about moderate, a protein, moderate carbs. We have the FDA recommendation, which is a higher carb diet. We have people saying you should go vegan. And then we have people all the way on the other end of the spectrum is like, no, we have to be paleo, right? We have to eat lots and lots of meat. So what is the right diet to follow? This is really interesting because it is really so first I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. I'm not going to tell you what kind of diet you should follow. Right. I'm going to tell you how diets work in terms of macronutrients. And then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about your particular goals, whether it's weight loss, whether it's fitness, whatever it is. Or to help you to decide the type of program that you should actually be following. So, um, and I should actually take this opportunity, since I have to take a station break, um, and remind you, one, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio, also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. And this is Mornings with Mubaraka. And I am talking about why are you eating that? And why am I talking about that? 
So I have been a health and fitness coach for 20 years. I have an interdisciplinary degree in exercise science, public health and psychology, and I hold 13 fitness and nutrition certifications. Um, so I, I know a little bit of something, a little bit, a little bit of something. <laughs> I have helped thousands of women uh, over the last 20 years to uh, lose weight, improve their health and take their life back. And this is kind of part of what I do. I love talking about being healthy, helping people be healthy and happy and uh, and shine. That's my thing. That's my thing. All right. So with that, let's go into uh part two of what we're going to talk about. So we are talking about um, what uh, diet plan is good to follow. So diets or diet plans that people come up with, no matter what it is, it really breaks down to them trying to get you to eat in a certain macronutrient ratio, right? Macronutrients are your Proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. Diets are just different ratios of those three things. And once you understand how each one of those things work and then take into account your health and fitness goals, you can choose something that is more appropriate for you. All right. So I think that we all are kind of past the let's just count calories. Everybody knows that. Your body is not a bank. It's not about calories in, calories out, right? That's a very small portion of the equation of how you successfully lose weight and keep it off. Indeed, if you eat more calories than you need, you will not lose weight and you will gain weight. So that is a portion of the formula. But it is, I think that we have come far enough along that we know that that is not really the entire thing. So, for example, um, part of our metabolism and the metabolism is a complicated metabolic process, uh, complicated chemical process in our body that um, functions in various different ways. But one of those ways um, is to take in nutrients, distribute them where they need to be and give us energy. Right. So that's one of the and or and or if you have too much for your metabolism to handle, it stores it as fat. Right. So that's the part that we don't want. Um, but every food is really metabolized differently in your body. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Part of the metabolism is not just how much calories your body absorb, but your body actually uses the calories from the food to metabolize it or to digest it. So there are some foods that we call quote unquote free foods. You may have heard that term before. And those foods are foods that it takes your body more energy or your body burns more calories just digesting it than what's in the food itself. So an example of that is broccoli. There are about four, um, there are about four calories in a cup of broccoli, right? And it takes your body 10 calories just to digest it. So technically, theoretically, let's say theoretically, because nobody actually only eats broccoli all day and I don't recommend it. Too much of a good thing is not a good thing. If you only ate broccoli and you ate 1,500 calories of broccoli a day, you would lose weight. 
even if you didn't exercise, because your body would have to expend more energy digesting the broccoli than what's in the broccoli itself. Right. So get that. So that's what we call a free food. We also know that other foods are metabolized very, very differently in the way that it affects our body. So let's give an example of um, fructose. Right. And I'm not just talking about high fructose corn syrup. Fructose is in honey. Fructose is in uh, fruit. Fructose is a type of sugar. High fructose corn syrup has a very large percentage, which is why it's called high fructose. Right. High fructose tells you that the fructose is high. Right. (laughs) So it has a higher percentage of fructose in it. However, um, um, when you take in fructose, which is different than when you take in glucose. Right. Your body metabolizes them differently. Fructose is metabolized in the liver. So think about it kind of like uh, one analogy that I like to use is once your your calories, be it fructose, be it alcohol is another thing that is metabolized in the liver. Um, the liver likes to store things that comes through it as fat. Right. So it's kind of like, um, you know, you go grocery shopping and you take uh, you know, a box of food and you put it on the you get a chair and you put it all the way on the high shelf. Right. So it's up there. It's harder to get to. You can technically get to it, but it takes a lot of energy and effort. Think about it as that as kind of like the chair is your liver that puts the, the, the calories way, way away. Right. But then you have other foods like glucose, for example, your body brings it in and it sends it straight into your uh, muscles, into your blood and you use it as energy. It's not readily. And then if you eat too much of it, then it will go over there to the liver that's going to st- that's just going to stock it. Right. So when you take in fructose, even so, this is what the, the, the research tells us is 30% of fructose will be stored as fat, even if you don't go over your calorie amount, right? It's just the way that our body metabolizes it. The liver is going to take 30% of it and it's going to put it up on the shelf. When you take in glucose, it does not do that. It actually goes, it's ready for you to use, and only if you have too much does the liver put it up. Now, can you go get it? Sure you can. You can go over to the liver and say, you know what, I really need that for energy. Can you like go and get it? And the liver can be like, eh, I just climbed up on a chair. I just put it all the way up. Do you really want me to go get it? So and then you can convince him and he'll go get it and he'll bring it down and you know you can use it for energy. But it's a lot of work for it. Like the liver is like, yeah, you know, I just put it away. Why am I going to get it again? So that's kind of how it works once things hit your liver. So another thing that does this is alcohol. When people drink alcohol, alcohol is considered a poison to the system. Not only is it a poison, but your body does not use it for energy. It actually stores it as fat. We know that when we look at how the body metabolizes orange juice, there's one research that showed the that followed a metabolic process of orange juice, bread and alcohol all at 100 calories. And it looked at how the body metabolized them. And it found that for alcohol in particular, it actually stores about 80 percent of the calories as fat, whereas bread and orange juice was the opposite. Right. So I'm not saying go eat bread and orange juice instead of alcohol. You got to limit stuff, right? I'm saying that your body metabolizes different substances differently. 
even though all three of those things are very high in carbohydrates, right? It's different types of carbohydrates. So it's really important that you understand that we are not just calculators. Our body works as an entire unit, right? And that unit does several things. It, when it comes to weight, it's not just kind of like taking food and it's going to be stored as the liver. One is stored by the liver as fat. Your food also, um, it also um, determines your hormones, the hormones that are contributing to your fat loss. One of the main, main hormones that contributes to fat loss and fat gain is insulin. Like if you really want to understand how your body stores fat and how to get rid of fat, you must understand and be very cognizant of how your insulin hormone works. Even if you are not diabetic, right? Your insulin hormone, anytime your insulin shoots up, your body is storing fat. That's really important. So I point this out because one of the things that I see a lot um, when people are going to lose weight, you know, detoxing is a big thing. You know, drinking juices and smoothies is a big thing. But there's a difference between juicing and drinking a smoothie. So if you don't know the difference, the difference is when you drink a smoothie, you put the entire fruit and vegetable inside of the blender and you blend it up until it's smooth enough. That's why it's called a smoothie. And you drink it. When you do a juice, you put it inside of a machine that is a juice extractor. It extracts the juice out. It separates the pulp and you are drinking just the juice. The reason and there is a time and there's a place for each one of them. But the reason why I never recommend juicing for uh, a kickstart, a detox, a weight loss program or anything like that is because of its effect on your insulin level. When you even if you're using carrots, when you use any when you use just the juice of it without the fiber, without the, the extra and I'm and it's very different. So I've, I had this conversation um, and let me not jump around when you use drink just the juice. What happens is the fructose, which is the sugar in fruit, the fructose is concentrated and it goes directly into your body. There's no mitigation for the fiber that would be if you ate the whole apple or the fiber if you ate the entire uh, a carrot, right? The juice itself has sugar in it. It has fructose in it. It is sending your insulin level spiking high. Anytime your insulin level raises, particularly because people drink juices on an empty stomach generally or very often, the insulin level goes up. When your insulin level spikes up, your fat burning hormones shut down and insulin causes you to actually hold on to fat. So in addition to that, what else a spike in insulin does? It creates inflammation in the body, right? So juicing is not the best plan if your goal is to lose weight because it actually creates the opposite effect of weight loss. It causes your body to hold on to weight. And I'm going to have people who say, so let me, let me uh, answer two questions that I get a lot when I say this. 
well, we st- I can still eat the the fiber and stuff and I can make muffins from it and I can make cookies from it and there's a whole recipe book. Yes, you can do that. But it is not going to have the same effect on your body because nature made an apple to have fiber and juice together so they can enter your body at the same time. And there is a purpose for that because the fiber inside of the fruit or vegetable, it actually slows down the insulin into your body so it doesn't spike above the levels that's going to cause you to hold fat. So if you are drinking the juice in the morning and you're making a nice pulp-filled muffin that you're going to eat in an hour or so, it's still doing the same thing to your body. It is still, you have separated what nature intended to be consumed together. The second comment that I get all the time, but I drunk juice for 30 days and I lost all of this weight. And that is awesome because you starved yourself. (laughs) Because remember, calories in, calories out is also a part of weight loss. So one of the other things that happens, and this happens more often than I can count. I will tell somebody how things do and don't work physiologically. And their proof is that um, their proof is that, but I lost weight, but she lost my friend lost 30 pounds. But a lot of times when people are eating really badly, they in a very unhealthy way and they switch to healthy eating, eating habits, very often they eat significantly fewer calories. So if you have switched from going to McDonald's for lunch to having yourself a grilled chicken salad that you made at home, you've just saved yourself probably like a thousand calories. So you're going to lose weight, right? A lot of plans, particularly plans that cut out one entire food group, the weight loss doesn't come from the plan itself. It comes from the fact that you're actually eating a significantly fewer calories. So that's important. So this is important because you have to understand the way that the body works in order to know whether or not this is something that you should actually create as a lifestyle. Um, Let's talk a little bit about macronutrients, right? Because this is a, a, a subtopic that has become really, really popular, particularly in this vegan craze, right? We have a lot of a lot of gosh videos lord have mercy if i see another vegan video that tell me that broccoli can give me the same amount of protein as a piece of chicken i'm a scream <laughs> i'm a scream really i am not anti-vegan i am not anti-vegetarian and let me say this before i talk about the vegan vegetarian movement um that i'm seeing um i am if you are doing this for ethical reasons then I, I have no problem with that. You know, everybody has their right to, for, to believe what they want to believe as far as um, consciousness or um, how we serve the world or live in the world. Uh, if you are doing this for health reasons, like you have a diagnosed illness, then I would say talk to your healthcare professional. Um, if you are cutting out meat because you don't believe humans should eat it, 
um, physiologically and scientifically, that's really incorrect. Um, if you believe that you can get all of your, as an active person, so I'm going to make this, I'm going to say two things. One, can you get significant amount of protein from eating vegetarian or vegan? The average person, the average sedentary adult can. Why do we need protein? So we need protein to build everything from our nails to our hair to most importantly, our muscles, right? So even if you're not trying to be a bodybuilder, you need muscle for strength, strength to do everything from getting up and down stairs to being able to put your groceries away or being able to open up a can of, of, of mayonnaise, right? All of that requires muscle strength. When we look, when science looks at kind of where, what is the dietary recommendation for how much protein a person needs, that recommendation in its minimum is based on a nitrogen balance, right? One of the components of protein is nitrogen. Why do we need a nitrogen balance? Because if we do not have a nitrogen balance, then we will have muscle atrophy, which means your muscles will literally shrink. So the minimum goal for protein is that you maintain a nitrogen balance. If you are a conscious and semi-educated vegetarian or vegan, you can certainly create this balance with a vegan vegetarian uh, lifestyle. Now, if you exercise, cardiovascular exercise or resistance training exercise, all of the research shows that you need more protein. Can you get more protein on a vegan and vegetarian diet, there are always supplements that you can take. Yes, you can take a protein powder and you can drink it. But just on vegan and vegetarian eating whole foods, it would be very, very difficult. So I'm going to talk specifically to my exercisers, right? So I'm going to talk to people who are going to start an exercise program or you are already on an exercise program. When you look at the macronutrients that you need, it really is about being able to balance on your entire program. That's one. Number two, really be conscious of the way that it makes you feel. I mean, me personally, I have tried a vegetarian lifestyle. It does not work for me, right? I'm far too active. I do too much stuff. I just physically don't feel well. Um, but that's just me. Some people do it and they're like, oh, I feel great. Don't feel like you have to follow a trend, right? There's a purpose for everything that we eat. There's a purpose for protein. There's a purpose for carbohydrates. There's a purpose for the fats in your diet. Just as, you know, 10 years ago, the big craze was, oh my God, fat is evil. Stay away from fat. Everything should be fat free. Fat causes you to gain fat. And here we are 10 years later and everybody's just fatter, like literally the whole country, literally like the whole world is fatter <laughs> after we demonized fat. Um, when we look at, OK, the three macronutrients, let's look at protein, carbohydrates and fats. Right. What is the, the purpose of protein in our diet? 
So the FDA for protein actually recommends about 0.36 per pound of body weight, which is the low end of the scale, right? So that is for a sedentary person. So what that calculates is to a 50-year-old woman who weighs about 140 pounds is going to need about 53 grams of protein a day. So that is, again, the low end of the scale. That is what you need so that you don't start getting weaker and you don't start losing muscle, right? So at that rate. Now, there are people who do the complete opposite end of the scale, which is, you know, there's a huge thing in... um, in the bodybuilding community that you should, you should have one pound of um, one gram of uh, protein for every pound of body weight. All of the research that's been done in the last five years or so shows that that really is too much, right? That when they look at what elite bodybuilders need, it's actually only at max 0.75 per pound of body weight and at average about 0.7 per pound of body weight and there are several studies and you know hey you can google what I can google google it (laughs) Um, there's lots of studies about that being kind of like an overkill so there's an underkill and there's an overkill so how do you find the balance between the two so here's an interesting study that they did, and they looked at the Atkins diet. So the Atkins diet, if you're familiar with it, it, use, it recommends that you start off with about 20 grams of carbohydrates a day, um, and then you can increase after the first 14 days, you can increase to about 50 grams a day, uh, which is about 15% of your calories from carbs, right? The zone diet is 40% carbs, 30% fat, 30% protein. And there is the eat more way less diet by Dean Ornish, which he recommends less than 10% of your diet come from fat. So they followed people on these diets for and checked in at a six month period and at a one year period. And they looked at several markers. They looked at how much weight that they lost. They looked at their, um, they looked at uh, their cholesterol. They looked at their blood pressure. Um, they looked at their A1C levels. And here is the really interesting thing. At the end of a year, most of them were not actually following the macronutrient ratio of the diet. So everybody had lost weight, right? And interesting thing, and this is not an advocate for one type of diet or another, but from in this particular study, the the people who lost the mo- most weight was the people who had followed Atkins diet, the very low carbohydrate diet. Um, so by the end of the year, most people, they had all really um, evened out to be eating around about the same amount in macronutrients. Right. So even though the Atkins people actually lost weight, they did not actually stick to what Atkins recommend. At the end of the year, they were eating an average of about 32 percent carbohydrates, 46 percent fat and 22 percent protein. So um, the Dean Ornish people who he recommended that they stay under 10 percent of fat. But at the end of the year, they were eating actually about 29 percent fat and about 52% carbs and 19% protein. And the zone people, they, they're recommended about 40% carbs, and they were eating between 46 and 48, and about 34% fat and about 20% um, 
protein, 19, 20% protein. So the interesting thing is that they all end up adjusting a little bit over than the diet itself recommended. So why, when we think about diet and exercise, we feel that we need to have kind of like not eat a good food and a bad food, right? So that's what a lot of diets really um, insist that you create, right? Bread is bad. Meat is bad, right? All of the, there, there has to be a villain in it. When all of our research shows us that in the end, actually eating a balance of everything is the best way for you to have long-term weight loss. Anytime tell, somebody tells me, I'm going to do this diet, this particular diet again, because I lost weight when I did it. If you have to say again after a particular type of program, then it's probably not the program that's going to give you sustained weight loss. Anytime you use the word again, it is not a lifestyle program. We can lose weight, we can gain weight, but we could, can't, it seems that people have a hard time maintaining it because they're so focused on dieting and eliminating and they're basing their weight loss on their willpower. And that is actually a really risky bet to base your weight loss on your willpower. You should base your weight loss on making practical decisions for making decisions that is sustainable. If you know that when you're, so this is, this is when people, so I'm going to leave you with this last thought. When I'm asked what type of program, diet program a person should follow, I tell them future track. Think about yourself when you're 90. Do you plan on counting points at 90? Do you see yourself saying, you know what? I have not had a piece of bread in 40 years. Do you see yourself saying, I have not eaten fruit in 50 years because I don't eat anything sweet and sugary? What are you going to be doing when you're 90? If you can imagine yourself saying those things to yourself, then absolutely. That's the plan for you. But if you know like really know that you're not going to never eat another slice of bread or never eat another piece of fruit or never ever eat another piece of meat, right? If you can't imagine yourself doing that, then you need to find a balance of something that you can imagine and you can envision your healthy lifestyle when you're 90 years old and the things that you're going to be eating. And make sure when you make this vision, you always stay conscious that it really has to be realistic for you and not in your lifestyle and your body. So I am coming to the end of my show and we are coming to the end of the year. I want to thank you so much for listening. You're going to catch it. I have lots of great guests planned for 2018. We are going to start the year off with a bang talking about how do we actually create habits? What are the things that the research tells us that really works in creating habits. We're going to talk about how to have less stress and more joy in our life. And of course, we're going to talk about some uh, um, healthy nutrition things because, you know, it's the first of the year and I know that's what you want to hear. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. So remember that you can find me live here on Facebook and Instagram and on WNHH every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Yeah, 10 a.m. <laughs> 
And so I'm actually going to leave you with one last thought. Remember, you are what you eat. And we all want to be full of goodness. But every so often, you might have to be a badass. So it's okay to have a piece of cake. All right? Until next week or next year. Talk to you soon. Have a great rest of your day. Be a voice and not an echo. Yeah.